0: Hey, this is Mohal Joshi from Los Angeles, California. I follow Indian foreign policy and defense with a special focus on Asia. You can follow me on Twitter
1: at Mohal Joshi. Hey, this is Kishore Narayan from Bengaluru in India. I am an international relations expert specializing in global security, conflict resolution, and international negotiation. My focus areas include peace building and digital diplomacy. You can find me on Twitter at Veggie Diplomat. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of India Rising Strategic Affairs Conversations with Mohal and Kishore, a show in which we analyze the happenings from around the world and their impact on India. Uh, In today's episode, we have uh, we have a distinguished guest, Ramaharita Pusadla. Join us back again. Remember, she had joined us uh, in the year ending uh, special episodes that we had carried out. Uh, welcome back, Harita. Uh, Harita is a, uh, is a columnist uh, and a writer. She can be found on Twitter at uh, Harita Pusharla. She writes on strategic affairs, foreign affairs, and also uh, domestic uh, politics and uh, social issues. So, welcome back, uh, Harita.
2: Thank you, uh, thank you, Kishore, for your nice introduction, and uh, it's like pleasure being on the India Rising Show again. Thank you both. The
1: pleasure you. is hard. Yeah, the pleasure is hard. So uh, today, what we will be doing is uh, now that uh, the uh, the term of uh, the current Lok Sabha is coming to an end, and uh, Prime Minister Modi's uh, term is coming to an end, we will kind mm-hmm. of look back at how. Uh, India's foreign policy has been in the past uh, five years and try to analyze what uh, what happened uh, during these five years and also try to analyze was it good for the country were there any uh, were there any weaknesses or were there any lacuna that uh, could have been addressed better so it would be a nice roundup of uh, both the positives and the negatives so uh, without further ado uh, Harita stages here, you can uh, start off.
2: Okay, uh, let me begin by saying that uh, Modi stumped his critics right even before taking uh, his uh, swearing in ceremony by calling the SARC leaders for his uh, uh, swearing in ceremony. It was like uh, even the strategic affair analysts and the close India observers found that this is an out of box initiative. Though they had apprehensions about Pakistan being a participant, Nawaz Sharif, despite having a domestic at home, made it to the event. So the event turned out to be a grand success, and then that marked the beginning of uh, uh, NDA2's uh, foreign policy. So from then onwards, the, it was kind of uh, rolling on, uh, continuing with India's tradition of uh, uh, first, uh, uh, men going to Bhutan, uh, Modi has embarked on his first trip to, uh, first foreign visit to Bhutan and then rejuvenated the ties. And he spoke at the joint parliament, uh, he addressed the joint parliament of Bhutan. And uh, even before that, like, uh, 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 to give a massive Philip to, India-Pakistan relationships, uh, Modi and uh, Shar- uh, Sharif had like uh, bilateral talks just on the day after the swearing-in ceremony and then they decided that uh, foreign secretary-level talks should begin and even the cross-border uh, trade across the Atari border has started. So after giving this like a uh, huge uh, kickstart to this kind of uh, relationships, um It was like uh, uh, Modi has uh, uh, taken these uh, strategies by surprise, like by visiting Nepal, the first PM to visit Nepal in 17 years, though Nepal is just our ne- next door neighbor. Indian leadership, for uh, numerous reasons, hasn't cared enough to uh, revitalize ties with Nepal. Same is the case with uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, in March 2015, uh, Modi embarked on a three-nation tour which was supposed to include Maldives. But then at the 11th hour, they have canceled the Maldives trip because of uh, domestic unrest. But then, like again, on his first visit to Sri Lanka, which comes after a gap of 28 years, Modi took every care to nurture the relationships very carefully. And then coming back to Bangladesh, he... I mean, uh, he gave, like, um, he ratified the long-pending, four-decade-long, um uh, I mean, four-decade-long-pending uh, uh, land-boundary agreement. And then the, from there itself, it was like uh, the ball kept rolling and then it was a smooth, uh, he uh, initiated uh, uh, friendly talks with uh, Sheikh Hasina, who was also favorably, Poised towards India, and uh, she may she took some initiatives like uh, uh, handing over the uh, wanted terrorists to India, and then thus the uh, confident building measures uh, they mm-hmm. have cemented the India Bangladesh relationship. So, and okay. then uh, uh, coming to Afghanistan, uh, India like uh, has focused on its uh, development. And restoration of a peace as uh, like um, it's going to be its priority aspect. And then, like uh, with the inauguration of Salma Dam and other things, it has become loud and clear that India is going to be a uh, robust developmental partnership partner of Afghanistan. So uh, with these fo- with this foundation, basic foundation, like uh, he has created great a tremendous impact in the southeast uh, South Asia. And mm-hmm. then, like, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, go go ahead, Haritha. Uh Same is the case with the Indochina affairs. Like, uh, on his first trip to Japan, while well, he lashed out at uh, China for his imperialistic attitudes, which, like, uh, no other prime minister on his first visit could haven't ever thought of doing it. But then he uh, he issued a bold statement but then hasn't like uh, gone back on that in the sense like uh, he hasn't yielded to President uh, Xi Jinping when he has come to India. Like though there were uh, incursions across the border, he, had ma- he has conveyed message to the president that uh, India is not happy with this kind of developments. And soon, like uh, within three days, all those incursions, like uh, everything we have, uh, were settled very smoothly. And then they have initiated, like, um, uh, taken up this issue of uh, uh, allowing Indian pilgrimage a safe passage to uh, Kailash Manasarovar. So these were, like, the kind of uh, steps which uh, Modi has taken, or, like, the Modi government had made, put in a lot of efforts to, like, uh, just uh, nurture the relationships and cultivate good ties with the nearest neighbors or the immediate neighbors and thus he has unveiled, uh, men, uh, so to speak, in, uh, um, in 2014, he has successfully unveiled the neighborhood first policy.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, so when I, when I listen to uh, you bringing out all these points, I kind of get a feel that uh, Modi's foreign policy was not, uh, uh, was not designed to have a five-year window but rather to have a larger five-plus year window, probably a ten-year window, uh, to have a robust uh, foundation. So uh, whatever you say uh, makes me think that this is just the beginning in terms of uh, strengthening the ties between India, Nepal, India, Bangladesh, uh, even India, Sri Lanka, for that matter. So uh, that's the that's the kind of uh, sense I get. Would you agree to that, uh, Harita?
2: Yeah, exactly. It is like he has laid a foundation, so he mm-hmm. hasn't anticipated uh, the um, men, uh, hiccups which are going to come. But then right. he with uh, he had a pragmatic vision uh, that mm-hmm. India's uh, relationship with the immediate neighbors are going uh, are the key if it has to really establish itself as a responsible power in the South uh,
1: South Asia in a way that was obvious right Uh, when you have uh, China uh, lurking in the in the background you would know that you would always have a complex equation rather than a simple equation uh, even in even in case of bilateral relations Uh, however I think uh, what was pertinent at that point in time was to have uh, a strengthening of the relations ensure that there is no trust deficit between the two countries and hope that China would go away, uh, either, either, uh, either forcefully yeah. or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, More
2: than all, like uh, I just want to emphasize one thing: it's like India has come out of that shell of strategic inertia. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that was the mm-hmm. thing. Uh, that was the like. Uh, what should I say? Like. Uh, Uh, The greatest thing which Modi has done, like overcoming that strategic inertia, timidity, and diffidence. So So, that marked the beginning.
1: Okay.
0: So, Harita, uh, uh, like you very well put out all the positives of the neighborhood first and uh, uh, the a, a increased engagement with uh, other countries including those in the Middle East and uh, elsewhere. So what do you think were the the things which could have been the negatives uh, during the last five years and the failures during the last five years in <laughs> context with the neighborhood and Middle East?
2: Yeah, uh, what I can say is like uh, India uh, to begin with, it has started off on a positive note. But then, uh, it couldn't foresee the kind of uh, reaction which the countries could have had, like uh, coming to like uh, India-Nepal uh, downturn in events. Like, uh, while India-Nepal relations touched a new high after uh, Prime Minister Modi has rushed all the uh, uh, security apparatus or rescue and relief uh, apparatus just three hours after Nepal was hit with an earthquake. But then that kind of a momentum India has failed to sustain. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a huge, like, kind of a great, uh, what do you say, great goodwill gesture. Which as a bigger neighbor should have done to right. a smaller neighbor, but then what happened is like uh, maybe like people cite that uh, Indian media had a role in like uh, irking the uh, Nepalese domestic sentiments through like uh, through their broadcast and all that. That was one aspect of it. Shortcoming of uh, rushing um, our rescue forces and all that even uh, timely intervention. But then that couldn't like really build up that uh, goodwill gesture. Uh, and then just months after that, when pa- Nepal wanted to uh, promulgate its constitution, the skirmishes between the Nepalese people, like people living in plains and then Madeshis has added up to this kind of a, a negative sentiment which was just uh, blossoming what what i mean to say that the indo nepal blockade and then uh, which uh, led to like uh, uh, uh preventing like uh, which left N- nepal high and dry because like uh, they were grappling for fuel and essential food mm-hmm. supplies and all those things
1: I think the so, statement coming out from uh, M.E.A. during that time also did not uh, help the help matters.
2: Yeah, exactly. So these were all the kind of a things which they haven't like even thought of. Like mm-hmm. they were doing just what they wanted to do. They haven't anticipated this kind of a thing. And also, like uh, it's also partly to do with the uh, um, uh, the kind of. Uh, irritants which were playing between india and nepal for those political irritants they have received some kind of a philip or massive shot in arm uh, because of this indo nepalese blockade so that mm-hmm. was one aspect like uh, which ha- which ha- um, uh, men presented a biggest hiccup to this bilateral ties But uh, 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 after a certain time, like, um, India realized, like, uh, it it must make the first step. And then it has sent uh, uh, Sushma Swaraj to Nepal to, like, uh, talk to the leaders there. And then after that, it was followed by a Nepalese prime minister's visit to India, which has kind of, uh, like, stabilized the Indo-Nepalese relationships uh, to an extent. Uh, so that was one phase of it, one, one hiccup, which I can like uh, really say that uh, India should have uh, done really better. And uh, mm-hmm. barring that, like uh, uh, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, India was like kind of having a good relationship. Mm, but uh, in between, between Sri Lanka and uh, Bangladesh, I must say that in India, Bangladesh, uh, uh relations were having a smooth sail and both Agreed. leaders were yeah. having a kind of an um, mutual understanding about how they have to go ahead and take the relationship forward so yeah i think bangladesh
1: when, has been a real uh, high point for modi's uh, foreign policy
2: exactly mm-hmm. exactly so,
1: exactly. so, so
0: kishor coming to you i mean there was a mm-hmm. good summary of the neighborhood uh, let's look at the the big powers or the great powers, as they are said, like US and Russia. So how Mm -hmm. have we fared on relations with uh, US and Russia? Can you go through them one by one? Mm
1: -hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I think I'll uh, start off with Russia uh, and then uh, talk about the US. Uh, Russia, I think uh, India had uh, nothing much to lose, India had, uh, uh, India was continuing its uh, strong bilateral relationship that it had with uh, Russia. However, uh, due to uh, geopolitical uh, uh, changes that were happening around the world, uh, India, India was seen to be slowly drifting into uh, the US block, although not officially. Uh, And that kind of uh, had started creating a vacuum and a trust uh, deficit, and uh, this uh, helped uh, Pakistan, which was not in, uh, which also uh, started having trust deficit issues with the U.S. uh, For Pakistan to uh, cosy up with uh, Russia, so you now saw Russia playing uh, playing a balancing game between uh, Mm -hmm. India and Pakistan. In fact, there was a minor controversy when uh, uh, Pakistan had invited Russia to take part in some military uh, exercises in Pakistan-occupied Kashmir. And mm-hmm. India had to stamp its foot uh, hard uh, asking Russia to back off. And uh, uh, within one or two days, clarification uh, came out that uh, Russia was practicing uh, in uh, Pakistan proper and not in POK. So mm-hmm. that was the kind of uh, uh, irritants that were there in uh, Indo-Russian uh, relationship. But that apart, uh, the positives had to be the uh, continuation of the defense ties that uh, we have mm-hmm. with them. Uh, the purchase of the uh, S-400 uh, uh, missile shield uh, system, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, India went ahead despite uh, stiff opposition from the US. I think Mm -hmm. that had to be a high point uh, in terms of negotiating capabilities between uh, Modi and Putin. And also continuation of the annual dialogue between um, uh, uh, India and Russia at the highest level, that also continued. Uh, India, uh, I mean, Russia also uh, agreed to uh, commission stage five and six uh, reactors of uh, Kudankulam nuclear power plant. So that cooperation uh, will only strengthen over the years. And uh, another another interesting point was that <laughs> India and Russia would uh, uh, join hands together to develop a nuclear power plant in Bangladesh. Uh, so that again would be a three-party uh, three-party uh, deal. But uh, that would actually uh, help India also to strengthen its own make in india program so all in all uh, russia had uh, i mean russia india relations didn't have too many negatives but uh, just that uh, the 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 friendship also didn't go along uh, uh, too well so i think it was some kind of a stable relationship i Mm -hmm. think i would give i would give that and uh, uh, for the relationship, so a couple of
0: points I want to add. So, even on the defense side, the S 400 is the biggest thing that people uh, usually it's in everybody's memory. But also, mm-hmm. don't forget that we uh, agreed upon the three billion dollar lease for the Chakra 3, the uh, mm-hmm. SSN uh, submarine, and also the four uh, cri- uh, uh, guided missile frigates for the Navy, two of which will be built in Russia. And two of two more which are going to be constructed in a shipyard in uh, Goa Yeah,
2: and right. uh, another thing is also the energy cooperation Yeah, that's um, a good point. I think yeah, we started to energy import... cooperation, mm-hmm. and also this uh, India and Russia agreeing to have a joint exploration in uh, uh, North Arctic Sea uh, And in the regions of uh, Siberia and things So these are the latest additions to the Indo-Russian relationship because like uh, uh, given like uh, uh, Russia's uh, inclination to drift towards Pakistan uh, after it got uh, alienated by the West it has jumped into China's orbit and then uh, owing to its uh, levitation to China it has become closer to Pakistan at this end uh, some of the old ambas- old russian ambassadors believe that like uh, uh, india uh, russia shouldn't lose its uh, uh, w- w- uh, strategic uh, um, advantage it had with the india and so they started exploring various other avenues where india and russia together can enhance their cooperation and take the strategic partnership to a new level so under this they have given a uh, lot of emphasis to trade increasing uh, economic cooperation another is uh, uh, space uh, space cooperation science and, and uh, in uh, uh, skill development science and technology and besides mm-hmm. the energy cooperation and also the joint exploration in non- in north arctic sea so these were all mm-hmm. the various uh, avenues they thought like uh, which if added to the existing strategic cooperation can enhance a, and help in developing a robust strategic partnership between these two uh, traditional allies or like traditional friends what, whatever you can say yeah i
1: think uh, yeah, the, the, addition, the of, yeah, sorry yeah in addition to that uh, mohan so uh, the other point was uh, how uh, russia allowed uh, india to become a uh, member of the SCO, Shanghai Cooperation mm-hmm. Organization. Uh, that happened uh, simply because China also allowed uh, Pakistan to join in. Uh, be that as it may, just' uh, a good uh, entry point for India to, uh, to join and discuss about uh, security and uh, strategy issues related to Central Asia and, uh, and uh, Eastern Asia as well. So I think it's a good help that uh, we got from Russia at a timely opportune moment, Uh, so that would actually help us in the long run as well. Yeah, I think the relationship
0: uh, as mentioned has been pretty sort of, I mean, I wouldn't say like one dimensional, maybe like two dimensions, I mean, it's not two dimensional, it's like one dimensional with energy and defense. So expanding it to other avenues will uh, strengthen the relationship for
1: sure. Mm yeah so, okay so quickly moving on to uh, the u.s now i think uh, when uh, mr modi uh, came into power uh, india had already started uh, befriending uh, u.s in more ways than one uh, trade was on the on the upswing uh, the nuclear energy deal had already been signed had already been signed uh, with the u.s under mr manmohan singh and uh, india uh, was uh, was anyway a key player in uh, afghanistan so uh, trump actually had to just build on uh, the solid foundation that was already uh, laid for the past uh, 10 to 15 years ever since uh, ever since the uh, the kargil uh, 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 sorry ever since the uh, nuclear test that uh, india uh, tested in 1998 so uh, uh, to build on that uh, was the biggest uh, challenge, but uh, uh, Trump anyway came with a different mindset of uh, ensuring that there was a trade parity between between uh, India and the and the US. So uh, things kind of uh, started off on a wrong note, so to speak. Uh, Trump and his administration uh, kept harping on uh, on uh, uh, import duties and uh, tariffs. Uh, for which India kept uh, uh, kept pushing back, so that uh, continues to be a, a thorn uh, in the relationship. Even now, uh, not much uh, progress has been made. Uh, even even Trump keeps topi- talking about uh, the uh, the motorcycle and how India charges mm-hmm. uh, huge tariffs on that, uh, which is not a, which, in my honest opinion, is not such a big deal. Uh, not many people. Uh, by imported uh, motorcycles out here in India. So yeah, I think uh, trade issues will be sorted out uh, in a slow manner. Uh, but then the other uh, other uh, dimensions were actually more interesting, and uh, they actually grabbed uh, headlines. Uh, uh, some of them were uh, security related. Some of them were defense related. Uh, in terms of defense, though, uh, the 2 plus 2 dialogue uh, started out, uh, wherein Uh, Indian MEA and Raksha Mantri would have a one-on-one dialogue with uh, uh, the Secretary of Defense and Secretary of State. Uh, That happened only once, uh, remember, happened in uh, Delhi uh, last year. And uh, that actually kind of uh, emphasized uh, the importance that uh, this bilateral relationship was uh, garnering. And uh, even in terms of uh, defense matters, uh, there was a Lemoa agreement wherein uh, the two countries could uh, use each other's bases uh, to train or to or to um, help their naval vessels uh, main uh, have a periodic maintenance or even uh, normal refueling and uh, things like that uh, on top of that was the next agreement which was the comca wherein uh, uh, intelligent, intelligence-related uh, uh, stuff could also be exchanged between the US and uh, India. So I think uh, it was a steady and uh, uh, slow but steady improvement in uh, the relationship between the US and India and uh, this actually helped us when it comes to uh, uh, matters like Afghanistan where uh, things uh, where matters ha- have now come to a stage where there are peace talks happening between Afghanistan uh, national government and uh, the Taliban, and uh, every every major player, Russia and uh, US, wants India on the table as well, where uh, India would play a, a key role in deciding what the future of of uh, Afghanistan would be. But uh, for me, the major irritant uh, was how uh, uh, US wanted to arm twist India to stop. Uh, all kinds of trade with uh, iran uh, especially the chabahar port and also purchasing oil from them uh, mm-hmm. india india had to uh, india had to indicate that uh, it cannot stop buying oil altogether from iran so india had to get some kind of a waiver after a lot of dilly-dallying from washington dc but uh, that apart the other problem was chabahar uh, us uh, Categorically stated that India will have to stop uh, uh, helping uh, Iran in building or even uh, commissioning uh, the Chabahar port. But uh, India kind of uh, explained to US that Chabahar was in the best interest of uh, Afghanistan as well. And uh, mind you, both uh, US and India have uh, 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 have stake in seeing peaceful and prosperous. Afghanistan, so uh, U.S. had to uh, back off on that demand as well. So I think there were a few irrit- irritants along the way and a few positives along the way as well. So uh, things things do continue to be on the upswing, but a lot more needs to be done. Yeah, I
0: think even the the negatives would be Katsa, where they tried to arm twist us into dropping buying the S400 system, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean for uh, Temporarily we have been told that uh, we will get a waiver and we won't be hit with sanctions So this is the part of the relationship where it gets tricky where uh, US might want to exclusively deal with them in terms of uh, military hardware purchase, but we are going to do what's uh, best for India and not get uh, Buckled under US pressure to just purchase a Western military equipment. I mean for example, Some military equipment like uh, nuclear subs and stuff like US is never going to give to us. So that's where we maintain the balance of uh, buying certain hardware from the Russians and some other hardware from the Americans, depending on our needs.
2: Yeah, uh, in this aspect, I just want to say that indo US relationship uh, uh, during this five years had been had two phases one during the era of uh, Pre- president obama and one during the era of uh, president trump okay uh, the beauty of it is, has been that modi has like uh, managed to have a similar kind of a relationship under both the presidency and uh, um to add on to what uh, kishore has said like uh, Mo- uh, obama has uh, given a green signal for starting strategic and economic dialogue between India and US along the lines of what US always had with China. So it was the kind of, uh, uh, it, it, because of that, it has appeared or like it has uh, made, made uh, pretty much evident like India was keen on developing relationship with, in, uh, with in, sorry, US has been keen on developing relationship with India. On par with China, and then it has also given a feeling that the US is like looking towards India as kind of a a power which can like help in uh, containing China in this region where like uh, Southeast Asia was uh, turning out to be a conflict prone region. So that was another high point, but then what happened? Uh, another difference between what happened under President Obama and Trump is like, uh, uh, Trump having pulled out U.S. from the uh, Paris Agreement, India and U.S. had to temporarily suspend whatever the kind of cooperation they had in environmental field or like about climate change and all those things. So all those programs were suspended under President Obama, President Trump. and. Uh, Uh, Another aspect is like uh, uh, under like Obama, India had also played a key role in like uh, uh, in nuclear cooperation um, program which uh, President Obama has also taken up that uh, nuclear security summit. India had Mm -hmm. made its presence felt and voice heard because of its like commitment towards nuclear uh, cooperation at that point of time. Uh, uh, Getting membership into other three nuclear regimes have become easy, like uh, missile uh, MTCR, Australian group, and the Vassanar group. So Mm -hmm. these were also the additions to India-US relationships, like um, what uh, Modi has really mobilized and uh, uh, helped India to have its uh, presence felt in the nuclear regime stuff as well.
1: Great point. Okay, so let's quickly move on to uh, Mohal. And uh, Mohal, if you can uh, talk about uh, uh, the two other uh, dimensions that we did not talk about, Pakistan and China. Yeah, our two friendly neighbors. Absolutely. Talk (laughs) about uh, the positives and negatives.
0: Yeah, so uh, let's pick up Pakistan first, and I'll come to the big brother China. So on Pakistan, I mean, Prime Minister Modi, just like uh, previous Prime Ministers have done, uh, he tried to reach out to Pakistan to solve the vex problem of uh, Kashmir and other bilateral issues that we have. Now uh, we did invite uh, Prime Minister uh, Nawaz Sharif to the swearing-in and he also made that uh, famous uh, unscheduled stopover in uh, Pakistan on I believe Nawaz Sharif's uh, birthday but I mean as you know that the power doesn't rest with the civilian government it's always with the military soon after that we had the Patanko attack, attack and uh, a little while later in September 2016 we had the attack on the Uri uh, camp, army camp. So I mean this creates a uh, Uh, whatever goodwill was created with all the earlier steps taken vanished uh, overnight or let's say over a series of couple of attacks. Now, in response, like, um, usually, like, what uh, Pakistan used to do, it's a saber rattling that we will use nuclear weapons if India tries to do any, take any action. So there were these two surgical strikes, as they are called, like, the one in September 2016 and the one recently in... Bala Court. So what these strikes have shown is that uh, that we are not going to be uh, afraid of the nuclear blackmail from Pakistan. and also importantly, in between the two binaries of not doing anything and trying to uh, issue statements or give dossiers and trying to isolate Pakistan on the international stage, and the other extreme of all-out war, there exists an option in the middle which doesn't climb the so-called escalatory ladder. So the airstrikes were shown that below the all-out war, there there exists a sub-conventional blow to the enemy which will thread the needle of not climbing the escalatory ladder, but also providing some kind of, uh, 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 what you call, uh, uh, you are imposing some kind of, a pain on the enemy that like their uh, uh, asymmetric warfare with terrorism in India won't go unchecked. So this was an important uh, step. I mean even the the same thing that exists uh, had been uh, repeated uh, in Balakot. And also we Mm -hmm. see that there is a lot of tension at the border right now. So what I had like mentioned in one of our earlier podcasts that we need a full spectrum response we cannot be in this continuous outreach and outrage cycles where we have an outrage cycle we put pressure on pakistan and then we let off the pressure where they get a chance to uh, get off so what we need is we need political economic uh, and uh, military pressure on pakistan where they're having a lot of economic issues to make them change their behavior now This uh, strikes might not change the behavior overnight, but at least it could guide them towards realizing that there has to be a cost imposed to these uh, attacks.
1: So yeah, let me ask you a question there, uh, Mm -hmm. Mohan. There are quite a few people who who uh, allege that Modi uh, Pakistan polyhi have been all over the place. Right, from uh, inviting Nawaz Sharif to going uh, mm-hmm. to greet uh, Nawaz Sharif personally mm-hmm. uh, on his birthday and also mm-hmm. allowing Pakistani investigators mm-hmm. to uh, come and see uh, the attack that happened in the Indian Air Force Base mm-hmm. in Patan mm-hmm. court. So uh, from that extreme to uh, conducting surgical strikes not once but twice and also mm-hmm. uh, and also. Uh, uh, retaliating uh, on the line of control with a heavy-handed approach uh, and uh, adopting a muscular policy as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, what do you think is uh, the true Pakistan policy that Modi has adopted? I mean as I mentioned see like all prime ministers have
0: gone through this outrage and outreach cycle so it's no different that everybody has made an honest attempt like even Vajpayee or even uh, Dr. Manmohan Singh, everybody made the attempts and I'm pre- pretty sure like even the prime ministers before. Uh, mm-hmm. So I mean, s- people can make that claim that it has been all over the place. I mean, I agree that maybe the uh, letting the Pakistani, um, I mean, uh, people on the Pathan airbase was not a good uh-huh. idea in hindsight. So mm-hmm. what I think is needed is uh, there wasn't uh, this full spectrum response where you push them on all ends. Now just having military strikes is not the solution. So what I, we want is a continuous uh, no holds barred pressure on all fronts. Then only you can change the behavior of the enemy when you push them over the cliff with pressure on all sides. What I fear is that let's say if the Prime Minister gets reelected or a new government comes in should not let off the pressure saying okay you know what uh there is a change in policy and we begin a new cycle of outreach because the deep state unless uh unbearing pressure is put on them they won't uh change their behavior so i mean that's my point so yeah yeah, i mean there there has been some change in policy for sure but i mean that's what all prime ministers have done and yeah maybe a little bit more pressure could have been put from the front but i mean now what's i think what important is like what we do going forward whoever comes to power
1: i kind of agree when you say a uh, uh, full spectrum response and it has already started in more ways than one uh for uh for all practical purposes is almost on its deathbed, and we won't <laughs> yeah. see it uh, uh, coming back again in the near future unless until a miracle happens in Pakistan. And uh, beyond that, the FATF and uh, the UNSC uh, push that uh, we are seeing, where all the other major powers are kind of helping India's cause uh, against it uh, uh, mm-hmm. for its fight against uh, terrorism. Uh, mm-hmm. And also India talking about uh, using mm-hmm. uh, the complete share of Indus water that under a share. Just one point
0: Harita. before you can mm-hmm. jump in. So what my fear is that many times like we might just pat ourselves on the back be it this government or the next government said oh we, we just did military strikes in Pakistan we gave them a befitting response And like, I mean, some of it might be obviously political in nature, but then we cannot sit on our laurels, uh, like post the election and say, you know what? We did very good. We need to keep working day in and day out to keep the pressure on. We cannot take our foot off the pedal. Sorry, Harita, that's my point with Pakistan. Like we cannot be self congratulating and saying, okay, you know what? Uh, Let's back off the pressure now because that will just bring it back to square one.
2: No, I just wanted to summarize in a one point, uh, one line saying that, like, uh, to start off when Modi has started off his tenure, it was like Pakistan were having all cues in its hands to meddle with India. But uh, coming to the end of his tenure, it appears as if India he is having an upper hand over Pakistan. I, I, I am pretty, uh, I totally agree that India cannot rest back or like... Uh, 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 men ha, uh, uh, sit back, enjoying this, uh, uh, having this self-congratulatory kind of approach. But to begin, um, but we need to acknowledge that uh, India is now having an upper hand over Pakistan, having exposed it uh, internationally. Uh, this kind of uh, men, people coming, uh, men, uh, France forwarding UA- uh, India's UN resolution of proscribing Masood Azhar and. Things like that were unheard of earlier. So it's like Mm -hmm. uh, India is slowly taking an edge. So that's what I just wanted to
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mohal, can you quickly move on to China now? Yeah. So, I mean, see, like as
0: of today, obviously the big issue is with Pakistan, but I think that should not distract it from the fact that our main strategic challenge going forward is not Pakistan, but it's uh, China. I mean, it's like, I mean, as I've said before, I guess in the one of the earlier podcasts that Pakistan is like a rash, like, you know, which you will never get rid of. It will suddenly flare up from time to time, like after it did, after the Pulwama and Balakot incidents. But like China is a slow moving cancer, which is going to kill you silently over a long period of time. So China is the main strategic challenge for India. Now, in the beginning, I mean Modi did invite uh, Xi Jinping to uh, Ahmedabad and they did have a uh, talk but at that same time we had incursions into Ladakh so they did mm-hmm. show like the two-faced nature of uh, Chinese diplomacy. Now China today is like five times bigger than India and uh, they would want to throw their weight around and not consider India as a uh, equal and they want to... Uh, Sort of uh, show India their place. Now the Doklam or the as some said Dolem was a great incident where they didn't expect India to provide a strong response. I think what used to happen is under the previous governments, the army obviously used to stand firm but there wasn't the same level of political backing, which was there uh, this time. I mean, if you remember one of the uh, incursions in like under the previous government, I think uh, one of the ministers had mentioned it as an acne on the face, which was kind of uh, ridiculous uh, to put it in that way. But I think that was a good way that the Doklam, like we stood firm that uh, we won't allow our red lines to be crossed and uh, we stood in in uh, uh, against Chinese uh, all kinds of like psych, psychops and uh, media warfare where they used to continuously berate us and say we will remind you of uh, the 62 war and uh, but we quietly did a good diplomacy in the background and also uh, it was good that all the political parties in India didn't speak a word about it I think this is an incident I think In international relations school should be taught in the future of how to respond to like a crisis where the political class is practically silent and we use backroom diplomacy versus let's say fighting or other means to resolve disputes now with China like I mean eventually like the relationship did take a nosedive after the Dokulum incident Uh, and then eventually like Uh, We realized that like it wasn't working out for us and neither the the Chinese who were dealing with other pressing issues such as North Korea and the trade war with US. So the Wuhan summit was basically I mean many people as I wrote like overread too much into it. It wasn't any kind of magical reset. It was just both sides calling a timer that hey the modus vivendi that existed between us for years isn't uh, working out. We need to just sit out and talk what are our points and what are our uh, red lines to see how we can work to take the relationship forward. So yeah, there have been like highs and lows in this relationship. Uh, On the trade front, I just want to mention that one of the problems we haven't been able to resolve under this government was like the the trade deficit which was around two and a half billion has ballooned to like 5 billion even though like just this month we saw reports that it has gone down for the first time but doubling of the trade deficit is uh, bad in terms of the economics uh, with India while the relationship is growing in terms of trade but the trade deficit we haven't been able to convince Chinese to allow more imports into the nation to uh, uh, put an imbalance on the trade deficit
1: yeah harita you have a point to make on this
2: uh, what i want to say is like given uh, china us trade uh, animosities right now india has much to gain uh, rather than to lose i think that uh, this is going to be a beginning when trade deficit is going to come down and it is uh, this trend is going to continue that's what I, I believe
0: but i think uh, so you have a good point But I think they need to relax more restrictions. And I think we just started uh, exporting rice to them. Uh, So they need to relax more categories. So that's where the negotiations have to be done that. Hey, could you relax a few more categories to work on the trade imbalance?
2: Yeah, that's true. And then there is a gossip among the strategic circles that uh, um, if this uh, government is going to get back into power, uh, they are. They have a formidable indo uh, China's foreign policy, which is going to be uh, unveiled in the next uh, in the next term. So there is a uh, already. Uh, it is believed that India has taken note of uh, China, uh, the growing trade deficit, and then India is trying to uh, come back with double the force uh, with the strategic uh, foreign policy towards directed towards China. So,
1: yeah, I, I mean, do. Mohan, I, think- yeah. <laughs> other- I have a question for you on that. Sure, this. sure. Um, uh, Would you see more uh, Wuhan-like summit happening in the future? where they are not termed as uh, state visits, but probably uh, uh, off-the-cuff kind of uh, remarks can be made between the two leaders and they can uh, talk their hearts out and try to see where they stand on different issues. Would you see that happening again and again?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the frequency, but uh, I mean, uh, Prime Minister Modi has been uh, uh, amicable to such uh, events. The main thing is what comes out of these events uh, is important because after the uh, the Wuhan summit I mean there was some talk about uh, coordination between the two armed forces to make sure that the incursions and those go down but they haven't gone down. So it's more mm-hmm. about the concrete steps. Now, the challenge we have with China is like they're like probably like five times bigger. I mean they spend a lot on their defense forces. so. We have enough deterrence, but we cannot let the deterrence grow because they're like churning out ships, planes, and all kinds of military hardware. I mean, some of the training is suspect, but I mean, as they say, like quantity also has a quality of
1: its own. So, like, if you look at the my, my point was a little different. So, uh, even when it comes to uh, even when it comes to things other than bilateral ties, mm-hmm. China doesn't seem to be helping India on the international scene be it in, in the Security Council or in FATF or any other uh, international forum. Mm-hmm. So uh, Wuhan summit, again, there will be many questions raised about uh, the failure or success of uh, this kind of uh, summits. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: a- a- again, just to add on to it, uh, uh, both uh, Prime Minister Modi and President Xi has agreed to have a informal summit in 2019. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like if Modi comes back to power it's going to happen and another thing is like uh, India must learn to read between lines of what Mm -hmm. China is saying and uh, men it's true with what Pakistan and China are doing both of them have the similar kind of policy uh, which is like full of deceit and subterfuge until unless India learns to live with it and uh, learns to analyze these kind of a, uh, statements which have a deeper implication, it will be difficult to manage both the countries.
0: Yeah, I mean, also like if you look at the BRI aspect of it, I mean, we need to increase the engagement with the neighborhood. So we have increased the engagement. Now comes the delivery part. So like Prime Minister Modi has uh, done a lot of good now his words have to be backed up by actions on the ground which is happening but in some cases just because China does the work faster people these countries are uh, getting into those debt traps as like you say in Humbandota or like probably even Gwadar in the future so now the uh, like you have to put meat to the bones so that they, they have an option versus just accepting a debt trap from China so that's where I think uh, like Prime Minister Modi has made a very good start. Now we just have to work on to see it through that. I think once you provide a credible alternative that doesn't take forever to implement, I think countries will drift back a little bit towards uh, uh, India versus just going totally with uh, China. So that also has to be kept into, uh, uh, into perspective that we need to deliver faster on all the projects in the neighborhood uh, to counter the BRI. And also one more thing on the, the Indo-Pacific, I mean, that's like, and the quad, like we are trying to sort of like hedge versus, so that's like the interesting part. So as I think uh, somebody interesting said, like we are kind of doing a engagement, which is like a hedging and engagement at the same, same time. So I think in China, we have to play the long game. It's not like we are going to like outgrow China anytime soon. It's like, you know, as like Dan Shopping said, like, you know, bide your time. And, like, when China goes down, maybe we'll at a better negotiating stage. Right now, try to have a new modus vivendi where you maintain some sort of peace and uh, uh, what you call peace at the border so that we can grow more till we are at a position to challenge China in a better term while also uh, putting out your red lines like Doklam that say, hey, you know, you cannot cross this. Uh, that if you cross this then we are going to speak up. So that's the like the challenge like how do you Sort of keep it under the surface grow more till China comes down due to their various issues of debt and uh, Demographics while also trying to maintain the uh, Like your growth because if you see if India doesn't grow economically, we cannot become a superpower that way So we need to uh, focus on how to maintain this relationship Uh Without like getting too confrontational with China, which is obviously a challenge.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So uh, I think we'll wrap it up here. But uh, before we end, uh, I think uh, we'll go around the table and uh, try to give a score on uh, Modi's foreign policy. Uh, Harita, can I start with you? On a scale of five, what would be your score? Uh,
2: something between three point five and four.
1: Okay, uh, Mohan. Uh, I would say three point five out of five. Okay, and I would I would not be that optimistic. I would be somewhere between three three and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply because I see it as a continuum and it uh, has to continue, uh, for the next term as well if uh, Modi manages to uh, come back to power. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. A- any closing comments before we wind up, uh, Harita?
2: Yeah. Uh, what I want to say is like. Uh, uh, Modi's proactive and pragmatic foreign policy has given a uh, new push to India's position, like uh, uh, um, and to its its pursuit of uh, uh, putting itself as a rising and responsible power uh, in South Asia. Besides that, with the, I mean, Modi has come uh, come to power without any baggages. And he Mm -hmm. has used this to his advantage to the maximum. See, uh, um, initially to begin with, the critics scoffed at Modi saying that this Hinduist, uh, national, the leader of a Hindu nationalist uh, party cannot break ice with Muslim countries. But then he has proved them absolutely wrong. He has floored Mm -hmm. the uh, leaders of all the major Muslim countries. And he got, he was conferred like uh, all the highest civilian awards, be it Saudi Arabia, be it Palestine or now from UAE. UAE. And now like uh, another thing which I want to just remind the viewers is like uh, uh, Modi is uh, expected to again visit UAE something around April 21st, where he Mm -hmm. is going to inaugurate uh, a Hindu temple there. Which is like remarkable and historical. This project he has uh, just started up, or like he has pushed this project on his first visit to UAE in 2015, and now see in tw- by 2019 it is like a reality. So there are certain aspects where you have to definitely give credit to Modi, and, uh, and mm-hmm. certain aspects like the uh, ballooning trade deficit with China, and then uh, this still the the Pakistan still continues there are certain irritants but uh, altogether what I want to say is it has been a proactive diplomatic engagement with other countries and then a kind of an unprecedented engagement where it's like um, uh, no uh, men not a mean thing to say that like uh, meA has come out openly to say that in in the span of five years they have uh, uh, reached to 189 countries, which is like unprecedented. Uh, barring three countries, India has reached out to all the countries, In mm-hmm. be it uh, ranging from prime minister visit to president's visit, vice president's visit, and also visits from the MEA. So mm-hmm. this kind of an approach is really a magnificent thing, which India hasn't had till now, none of the leaderships till now hasn't focused enough on like how India should position itself as a global leader. Well, people say like Nehru deserves all credit for like enhancing India's global stature, that was a different time and a different ball game. India had kind of uh, embraced this non-aligned movement and wanted to create a kind of uh, uh, different kind of an analogy, or like different kind of uh, uh, try to offer a different kind of an alternative in the Cold War era. But in post Cold War era, when countries are really uh, looking forward to have a multi polar world, India is contributing immensely towards that. And I think, like, uh, men, uh, it's not like uh, uh profuse covering. Uh, praises on Modi but then we need to give due credit where it is and also like man uh, uh, it, it it's not the end of it and india must come um, sustain this momentum and until unless india does that it will no it, its own existence will be at stake in the sense like uh, uh, india is now uh, coveting respect from other countries by standing tall Uh, or like uh, by not giving up during the Doklam standoff. So that has been deeply um, ingrained in the minds of smaller countries, especially Southeast Asian countries, which are looking forward to India as like a new power or like Mm -hmm. um, a benign power whose growth Mm -hmm. is going to be helpful to the neighbors around. So Mm -hmm. it's the thing that India should pick up all these things and then should move forward with this kind of an approach towards its smaller neighborhood when once it wins the hearts and minds of uh, immediate neighborhood india is definitely going to have a, a, man, a great uh, future ahead or like uh, uh, given its demographic advantage huge diversity syncretic culture uh, this is the way like uh, I must say Modi has uh, Shown a way or sh- has given a path along which India should tread so that it can uh, f- um, re- uh, Realize it's like uh, potential. Thank you
1: mm-hmm. Mohan uh, you shared the Harita.
0: Yeah, so I think um... The current government has brought activism to the foreign policy, which was missing for the, some time, especially under the end of the previous government. Also, I mean, we have broken some of the old shackles of uh, like strategic or, or, or non alignment, where like we couldn't move closer to the US uh, just because there was a lot of opposition to Lamoa during the UPA years. So Modi like no longer constrained by his old school of thought of being perfectly non-aligned understood that Lamoa doesn't lessen India's strategic autonomy. So there have been a lot of examples where uh, we have grown closer to US because of the increasing uh, uh, threat from uh, China. I mean, the main goal still remains like uh, how to grow economically. And that's where the increased engagement with uh, rest of the world would uh, come into picture um uh, one more comment is like uh, i mean there have been a lot of positives and obviously some negatives during the term but overall it's a fairly positive uh, term uh, i mean the goal here was to give a, give a realistic picture of the overall policy which has been mostly positive i mean the assertive policy we are seeing the Positives from this in terms of uh, increased engagement from all around the world I mean one of the examples would be the overflight over Saudi Arabia to Israel, which would be impossible Mm -hmm. for any other uh, region so while managing to balance Iran and uh, uh, Saudi Arabia and US and Russia so this activism has brought uh, the as they call the soft power so he has increased the India standing in the world Uh, which has seen like during the Balakot airstrikes that practically nobody supported uh, Pakistan's position and everybody asserted India's right to self-defense by striking terrorist targets in Pakistan. So the hope is that, uh, I mean, we uh, learn from like the things that didn't go well in the first term and build on the multiple set of positives that were seen Uh, which can be carried forward towards a second term, uh, hopefully. So I would Mm -hmm. say summarize with like, it's a good start. (laughs) But uh, since we have the big strategic challenge from Pakistan and uh, China, uh, we would have to work very hard over the next five years, whoever is in power to make sure that we gain in terms of uh, balance versus both the nations. So good start, but much to do, I would say, in summary.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, I would actually look at it from a different lens altogether. So in the context of 2014, uh, Indian uh, policy paralysis and uh, inward-looking. uh, mindset I think uh, Indian uh, MEA and uh, the Pmo started uh, reaching out to Indian diaspora all around the world uh, trying to take them into confidence all those uh, operations where they had to bring back uh, 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 labor labor uh, force that was working in troubled areas in middle East uh, actually helped uh, India gain a lot of brownie points not only, uh, among its own uh, population, but also around the world, where India uh, was considered uh, 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 seriously for its uh, humanitarian effort. Uh, on top of that, again, um, uh, India's uh, reach out to uh, old uh, friendships like uh, Japan and South Korea, which we did not talk about much uh, in our discussion, uh, where we uh, where the Modi Abe friendship. Uh, kind of uh, rose to new levels and also India's outreach to uh, South Korea and uh, trying to help them diffuse the tension in the Korean Peninsula. And I think all these subtle efforts has uh, really helped uh, matters for India. And uh, I think to summarize it, India's uh, India's uh, emphasis that it is a global player, it is a uh, emerging global player and it behaves like one. Was actually the uh, the highlight for me. Until now, India was claiming that it uh, has a rightful place at the high league table, but it never acted like one. But I think in the last five years, I think that was the difference that we could see, where India actually played its part. Even in even when you take the example of the Solar Alliance, where uh, India actually uh, agreed to a uh, agreed to a quicker deadline of cutting down on it. Uh, on its uh, coal emissions, and at the same time, also setting up ambitious targets for uh, uh, solar power generation. So I think uh, in all these respects, I feel that uh, India actually played its part as an emerging global player. And uh, only time will tell as to how India would maintain the tempo and uh, continue with the good work that has uh, happened in the past uh, five years. So I think that would be my uh, assessment. Uh, I think we'll uh, wrap it up here. I thank you, uh, Harita, for uh, making, uh, taking the time out and joining us once again. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, uh, as always.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. So, uh, that, dear listeners, uh, wraps up today's episode where we uh, kind of covered uh, Modi's foreign policy uh, in the past five years and uh, how it has helped uh, uh, Indian strategic and uh, uh, strategic standing around the world. Uh, If you have uh, any topics that you would like to uh, hear about, do let us know. Uh, But uh, do remember that uh, they need to be directly related to uh, Indian foreign policy. Uh, To continue hearing about such uh, interesting topics, do subscribe to our channel, India Rising, wherever you are listening to us. Until the next episode. This is Harita Mohal and Kishore Shining